Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. (laughs) We are still in part, we're finishing up our Advent series. Um, So if you have your Bible with you, (laughs) want to turn in your Bible, we're going to start in Luke chapter 4. You know, what is Advent? We've been saying this week after week because Advent isn't a word that's really in the Bible. You're not going to say there's an Advent season. You're going to look in the Bible and say where. It's not in there. It's a tradition that began a few hundred years ago. Uh, But it's really a time four weeks prior to the celebration of Christmas that we would take time to pause and spiritually think about what the birth of Christ really means to us. An important thing to do, isn't it? Amen. In the midst of all the other things that we do to prepare to celebrate Christmas, uh, stopping to just pause and and understand better, meditate on what Scripture says, uh, Jesus is the hope of the world. Why did he come? And so we have this Advent wreath that we put up here, and it has four candles on it. We'll have a center candle in there on Christmas Eve that we will light. But that Advent wreath just... It holds some simple symbolic meaning. It's made of evergreens. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in a circle, which means f- it's a symbolic, rather, of, of everlasting life that Jesus came to give us. Evergreens don't die. They stay evergreen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we started to light candles on it. The first candle, Pastor Steve, do you want to just light yeah, these candles? Yeah, we'll get it going. We, the first candle was the hope candle. We just talked about Jesus, of course, being the hope of the world. He came to bring us everlasting life, and that is our hope, to have eternal life with him. Then the faith candle was next. We talked about how our salvation came by the grace of God through our faith, and that faith resides on the inside of us. The victory that overcomes the world is our faith, faith in God's word and what he did for us. And then there was the joy candle. We talked about that last week. But the joy of the Lord is our strength, that when we really understand the message of the gospel and what it means and what it's done for us for all eternity, it does give us great joy that no matter what happens in our life, we know that this life is not the end of the story, that there is a joy unspeakable that is in front of us, and Jesus is full of glory. (laughs) And now today, um, we light the peace candle, and we're going to just talk about the power and the meaning of what of the peace we just sang that awesome song mm. the the Jesus is the prince of heaven he's the hope of the world he's the he's our prince of peace and so let's just uh, pause pray before we begin looking into the word of god jesus we thank you so much that you are our prince of peace father we thank you for the plan of redemption we thank you that you sent jesus your son into the world And he was obedient, like what Pastor Steve was saying there as we closed out worship. We thank you for the hope that we have in him. We thank you that the faith, Jesus, you are the author and finisher of our faith. We thank you that we saw scripture last week that said you gave us your joy, that you wanted the joy that you felt to be in us, that we would experience your joy. And now today we're going to look at your scripture, Lord, that talks about the very peace that we have with you. And so help us, Holy Spirit. We, we have teachable hearts. Our yes. ears are open to hear. And we, our hearts are receptive. Show us things that we don't know. Help us, Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit, to walk in the hope and the faith and the joy and the peace, Jesus, that you came to give mm. us. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So I was thinking, Jason, as he was talking about don't, you know, we can just get in a rush and be in a hurry, and it's like forget things that we need to be doing and do things last minute. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully you're finished buying your Christmas presents or getting there. How many of you, you know, I know I'm not either. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start this week. <laughs> I know, yeah. Right. Or sending out your cards. We've been getting some really nice Christmas cards in the mail. You know, I thought about when he said, don't do things at the last minute. Don't be like the lady who, who decided yeah. to send out her Christmas cards, waited to the last minute. You know, she knew that she had 49 people on her list, friends that she wanted to send cards to. So she's just in a hurry. She rushes out to the store, picks up a box of 50 cards, doesn't really look at what the message is, just gets them home, 
opens it up, addresses the cards to all 49 of the people without really, really looking at the message on the inside. And then on Christmas Day, after things kind of calm down, she sees that one card that was left over, and she comes across and she opens it up, and she finally looks at the message that was on the inside of the card that she had sent to 49 of her friends. And it said, this card is just to say, a little gift is on the way. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, shocked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be a little shocked, so uh, don't be in too much of a hurry, especially as you <laughs> address your cards. <laughs> so we have been saying that um, Advent means arrival. Yeah. The word Advent means coming. And it's, again, it's, we are talking about why we celebrate the coming birth, the first Advent of Christ. Why did he come? Why did Jesus come? To save us, save the, what does he saving the world from? Mm. Yeah. He saved us, scripture says, from suffering the penalty, the wrath of God for our sin. Yeah. Is really why he came. And he saved us from eternal judgment for that, which would be eternal death. And that's a pretty big that's a pretty big, that's enough. That's a pretty big thing to know <laughs> why he came. But, you know, sometimes in America, we've talked about this in the past messages, that you could hear the gospel, the gospel. It's like, what is the gospel? Yeah. We need to understand the good news of the gospel. He saved us from suffering the full penalty for our sin, and the penalty for the justice that needed to be paid was debt. Somebody had to pay a debt. It was death. And Jesus paid that debt That's for right. us. And he did it in love. And he did it with great favor and kindness to us. Because we were undeserving. Is what scripture says. Even when we were dead in our sin. Yes. He decided to save us. He wanted to save us. And he did save us. And it all came as a gift. Salvation isn't by anything you can do. Salvation is a free gift from God. So that's great favor, wouldn't you say? Mm. It's undeserving. It's like, I'm going to give you this gift of eternal life. I'm going to bring you back into favor with myself. And of course, at the first advent, when we read the Gospels, there was great joy that was coming from the heavens, yes. literally, shouting the good news, like the, the gospel of the kingdom of God was breaking into the earth, was coming to man. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 13. This would bring great joy to anybody in the earth who would, who would repent and call upon the name yes. of Jesus. Luke 2, 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. See, ever since the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, sin had broken our peace and our relationship with God. We, we, if you will, we fell out of favor with God. Right. This scripture is saying, peace to men on whom now God's favor will rest. Well, after the garden and the fall and sin and the broken relationship, our, we, we did not have favor with God. That favor was, we fell out of favor. And so this is why Jesus was sent. This is why God the Father in love sent his son to take on human form, born of a virgin, incarnate, to be crucified, to die on a cross, yeah. to pay the penalty right. for our sin in order to justify us now, to bring us back into favor with God. This is why, the, this is why on whom his favor rests. God was offering peace. He was offering reconciliation. Mm -hmm. The word shalom in Hebrew, we, we all probably know that word, it means peace. Shalom right. means peace, but that word, it's not just a greeting, oh, peace be with you. The word shalom means completeness, wholeness, well-being, favor. Nice. So when he was saying peace, he was saying this is a complete, this is what really why the word salvation is used, because salvation yes. means wholeness, completeness, wellness, healing, restoration. So his favor towards us now 
because of what Jesus did for us, was it's over-the-top favor. Amen. He didn't just forgive us our, our sins, but he welcomed us into his family, made us sons and daughters of God, gave us new life, gave us his life. Come on. Gave us eternal life. Mm. This is why we could, you can understand why the heavens were shouting, and God was saying this in love. Glory to God. The angels were saying in the highest and on earth, peace to men now on whom his favor will rest. So is, is it, it, here's the question. Is it, yeah, is it just a certain people? Like who does his favor rest on then? Yeah, his favor doesn't rest on animals. Well, he loves, he made animals, he loves them. <laughs> Sorry. His well, favor rests on mankind. Yes. It's not just particular people. His favor rests on mankind. Just certain people in no, mankind? No. God so loved the world. world that he gave his only begotten son. Whomever shall believe in him shall be saved. Hallelujah. His favor rests on mankind. His favor rests on mankind. You're favored by God. Your next door neighbor is favored by God. Hallelujah. God offers salvation and peace with God and from God. Two different things. It's important for us to understand that. Again, salvation is a gift from God. Pastor Mamie was explaining to it. It's by grace. It's God's grace that this salvation was even offered to us. And that we could never work to get this salvation because it had to do with a nature change, changing your nature. We had a fallen nature, and only God can change that nature. So that was our favor from God. We're saved by His grace through our faith. We believe what Jesus did for us. That is securing our salvation. Salvation is a gift. I want us to understand. And now we're living in the amazing uh, age of grace is what we're doing. We, we live in the age of grace. That should be comforting to tell you the truth. I mean, this age of grace, this, this salvation gives us a, a living hope that we will live with him forever. When he comes back and steps on this earth, we will live with him Forever. This, this favor, this salvation is to all mankind, but there's a catch. Men and women, young and old, we have to repent and believe. It's just offered to everybody, whomsoever, the Bible declares. Whomsoever. Are you a whomsoever? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. But there's a key recognize the spiritual condition we're in and knowing that we don't measure up and cannot measure up. So that takes repentance, recognizing, I cannot do this myself. So repent and believe the gospel. Believe that Jesus paid the price for me. And then what we need to tell other people this good news, the gospel itself, the good news of the kingdom, while there's still time. Because... Jesus himself said that this is going to this age of grace will end. But in the meantime, the angels are even rejoicing. You know the Bible says that the angels really long to look into our salvation because it's so unbelievable to them. They're just awestruck of what we have. They are looking into salvation. They want to understand the love that God has, because you can imagine what the angels have seen, amen? <laughs> Peace on earth, goodwill toward men whom he favors, means he favors mankind. It doesn't just mean men, it means, it, the word is anthropos, which means mankind. So we're all favored of God. Hallelujah. You know, this age of grace, Jesus says it will end. It will end in Matthew 24. Matthew 24 is a really important uh, chapter in the Bible to take a look at end-time events. And it says this in verse 14. It says, Jesus is speaking here. He says, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world 
as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. The end will come. There's going to be a second advent, a second arrival, a second coming. And it's called the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. And the key is, is that we can't get that confused with the day of Christ. Because they're two different things. Sometimes we will read over that and say the day of the Lord. And, we'll, and then we'll come across the day of Christ. And we think it's the same thing. It is not. The day of Christ talks about the rapture of the true church. The catching away of the true church. Where we meet Jesus in the air. And forever will be with him. Hallelujah. Forever with Christ. And then the second advent is when Jesus, the day of the Lord, is when Jesus comes and actually puts his feet on the earth. That will be at the end of the great tribulation. And that will start his millennial reign. Praise God. And that's his second advent. And the Bible declares that his second advent is a day of gloom and darkness. And it's a great contrast from his first advent, where all of heaven is rejoicing, declaring that God has favor upon all mankind. And what bringing this day of gloom and is judgment. God is going to judge the earth. He's going to judge all nations for their rejection of Christ, their rejection of the truth. And there's going to be great tribulation upon this earth. The, the, the Bible declares the wrath of God will be poured out. And we have to understand the judgments of God. Because even in the tribulation period, you'll read, if you read Revelation, you'll find out, and still they did not repent. These are things that are trying to get the people's attention, recognizing their spiritual condition. And instead of repenting, these people actually know that God is in charge of the plagues, and they curse Him, their only way out. And when He comes, I want you to take a look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians is right after... 1 Thessalonians. <laughs> Bible scholars, look at them. 2 Thessalonians. Paul is writing the uh, church at Thessalonica because they were confused a bit about the second coming of Christ. And there was a, a point where they thought that uh, some false teachers came among them and they thought that they had missed the rapture. Look at what it says here, verse 7 through 9. We're going to pick it up halfway through verse 7. And Paul's explaining this. He says, when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven, this is the second advent, he will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who do not know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they will be punished with an eternal destruction forever, separated from the Lord and from His glorious power. Now this is a really sobering scripture. It talks about the coming judgment of the earth. And there's two categories of people. The first one is those people who do not know God. That does not mean that they never heard of God. That means that they expressed no desire to know Him. They didn't spend any time trying to find out who He was. So they don't know Him. They don't think they need Him. And then you take a look at the other people. What are they? Those who refuse to obey. Now these are the people who claim to be Christians. But they just have no fruit. They don't have any desire to give up their life and serve Christ. They love their life here on this earth. And they think they can come to church and think they're okay. They might say a couple prayers here and there, but yet they have no fruit in their life. It's, their life is all about them and what benefits them. It's like the, the five foolish virgins in Matthew 25. Mm -hmm. It's exactly the same thing. And Christendom is filled with people like this. Filled with people like this. 
you know, I'm sorry to say, you know, that these people will be shocked on that day when they stand before Christ. And so we're willing to tell you the truth so that you can judge yourself and ask the Holy Spirit for insight and wisdom. Lord, how, how's my life? Am I, am I truly a follower of Christ? Yeah. Because the people of this church, I don't want anybody to be shocked. I, I want you to give up your life and follow him. Give up your life and follow him. Yeah. Because it's going to be well worth it. Because yeah. you're going to live for a billion years. Yeah. And when Pastor Mamie's and Scripture talks about death separated from Christ, that doesn't mean you stop existing. That means you are going to pay the price for your rebellion and your sin. Yeah. So I, I just want to encourage you to, you know, really give your life to Christ. Yeah. Give yourself yeah. over to him. Yeah. This is the best thing you could ever do. Right. I mean, and, and this is really what makes, we sing that Christmas carol, we will on Christmas Eve, joy to the world, mm -hmm. the Lord has come. This is what, when you con contrast it with the alternative. Yeah. And you think of what Jesus has done for us, that he's offering peace, favor, kindness, eternal life. Yeah. This is why the heavenly hosts were shouting with great joy, like, people, listen. <laughs> like, this is what's been given to you. Peace and God's favor is being poured out for those who have ears to hear. Yeah. And receptive hearts. And so in light of the alternative, the darkness, it is great joy, isn't it? Come on. It becomes, the news becomes wonderfully good news. When you set it in the backdrop, like last week we were talking about the diamond on the black velvet, it's like you go, wow, you have done some awesome things for me, Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, it, and, then, and a wise person, he who has ears to hear, will hear yes. and get it. Because the truth of the matter is, like you said, we'll live for, you say billions, but it's billions and billions and billions and billions of years. <laughs> and what we do in this tiny years of time, whatever long we live on the earth, you know, you hear people live a little past 100. Well, that's nothing in comparison to where we're going in eternity. But what you do now for those 100 years, if you live 100 is going to matter for all eternity. Yeah, it'll so determine. So our prayer is always, oh, God, give your church ears to hear and understand the day and time we live in. Because yeah. when you look out at the world, it's getting darker. And the delusion is coming on in a greater way in people's minds and hearts. And so we must understand what we believe and why we believe. Yes, and that we are going to live forever. And that's great news. That this, 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 what <laughs> yeah. happens in this life is not the end. I mean, this is Isaiah 9, verse starts with verse 6. So Jesus is offering an everlasting relationship of peace and love in his family with us. And this is a wonderful prophecy that the Isaiah, Isaiah gave. In uh, 700 years before Jesus' birth, Isaiah 9, verse 6, it says, He said this, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. He's prophesying this 700 or so years before Jesus' birth. Yes. And, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Hallelujah. And so see, the message of the gospel is not just about salvation. It's called the gospel of the kingdom. Right. Jesus is bringing a kingdom, his second advent. It will restore the, the earth in righteousness. He will come to the earth and rule and reign as king. Better than Eden. Better than Eden. And the increase, it says, of his government and peace, that's the, that's the beginning, the millennial reign of Christ, and it's going to go on forever yes. and ever. So Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 1. This is Zechariah. He's speaking prophetically about the birth of Jesus and what Jesus' life would do. It says, because of God's tender mercy, Luke 1, 78. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us mm -hmm. to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death 
and to guide us into the path of peace. Look with us at what this is saying. Like, have you ever considered, like that last, that those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, that outside of Christ, that's what it's like. Yeah. Jesus is the light of the world. That the whole world is actually sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death. <laughs> outside of Christ. I mean, with all of its going and coming and shopping and buying and selling and glitz and glamour. You come on. The, Jesus would say, you're actually sitting in the shadow of death if you don't know me. And Jesus brought light. He brought truth. He brought his word. He's the light of the world. And if you are born again, born of his spirit, you are a carrier of that light. How important is it for us to be yes. sharers of that light now? In a dark place, let's remember to let our light shine. Let's remember that helps somebody draw one step closer That's to knowing it. Jesus. One step closer. By what you say, what you do. Yes, how you treat How them. you treat people. Yeah, glory to God. You see verse 79 there? Verse 79, it, it's, it's, Jesus' desire is to guide us into the path, or your Bible might say into the way of peace, into the path of peace, into the way of peace. Listen, everybody's craving peace. Everybody. Uh, we, people, you know, want peace among nations. People want pe peace in this nation. Let's, let's face it. Peace want, people want peace in their own families. And, of course, everybody wants inner peace in their, their own soul. They want this peace. Yeah. But it's impossible to have this kind of peace among nations, among family members, uh, in our own nation, unless no, you have that inner yeah. peace yourself. Yeah. And Jesus promises that he will lead you and guide you into the way of peace. This is the felt need of the hour, guys. Uh, this is why road rage is happening, because people don't have peace within them. You see, everybody's angry at everybody. At the drop of the hat, they're angry. Yeah. Uh, it's because they have no inner peace. Searching. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. about the, the, you know, and it's, it's satanic and demonic spirits yes. are, are mightily at work, causing confusion in people's mind about gender identity mm -hmm. and, and sexuality. People are searching and craving for peace. Like, I'm trying to find myself. I'm trying to find who I am. And like you said, people are fighting and blaming, accusing. Yeah. As we're searching for this peace, you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're a homophobic person, you're a transphobic. I mean, all these names, all this blaming, calling out. Like, let me have peace. People are saying, let me have peace with who I am. But who are they? I mean, the sad part of all of this is, like, people, and it's confusing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Today I am a she, and tomorrow I am a he. I mean, this is the truth of the matter, what people are saying. And maybe the next day I call me they, hmm. or I'm, I don't know. I, it's, is it not confusing? Yes. Non-binary, two-spirited, like where, where who, are, who are you? And there's only one way to have that inner peace. I Come believe on. these people are searching for inner peace to find out who am I and trying everything, going down every dark path to figure out, now I'll feel peaceful. And you, you, read, you hear of these yeah. testimonies now of people detransitioning because that wasn't where they found the peace. So people are searching, deeply struggling for peace. Yes. But it can only be found... It really can only be found through a loving relationship with your creator. Jesus, the yes. hope of the world. The hope of the world. To have our sins forgiven. I mean, he said, I bring you peace. And this is part of why it's getting so off the rails because people don't want to hear about God. Don't want to acknowledge him as a creator. Well, then, then you will spiral into wherever you decide that you've created yourself to be. Well, what we say about Jeremiah says that, you know, we've sinned against God and we've, we've denied him and we've built our own cisterns of, of water that can't hold water. They're broken cisterns. They're broken yeah. cisterns. It's, Jesus said this. He says, 
it, two places in John 14 and then two chapters later in John 17. Jesus said this in John 14. He says, peace I leave you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know, the world is offering this peace. Guess what it's called? Affirmative care. Do you know what that is? It's emotional, medical care that simply agrees with the confusion you uh, uh, feel inside. <laughs> Excuse me. So to give you this false hope, really, is what it is, that you're going to find inner peace. And you start taking these hormones, and, and then you have this, uh, uh, this manipulative surgery, and then, you, then you're going to find this peace. <laughs> or they say, go explore your sexuality over and beyond what, you, you know, smoke some more pot, you know. Yeah. You know. Microdose yourself with some psychedelics. Yeah, this you is, heard that's what they're doing. I mean, the Valium and the whole, the generic is a benzodiazepine. It's a whole, Ativan, help calm your anxiety and fear. I, I think pharmaceutical companies are profiting immensely from people's search for inner peace. Oh, that, Take yeah. this, you'll find, yeah. you know, calm your fear. It'll calm, you know, your, your anxiety. But there is a peace that Jesus does offer us. Yeah. He says, he's the one who says, I give you my peace. So it's, it's Jesus who gives this peace. He's the Prince of Peace. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says that, it says this, He is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Jesus gives this peace. Remember what it said in Luke? Chapter 1 is about his God's tender mercies. I like that. He longs, he desires to guide our feet into paths of peace, yes. the way of peace. This is what happens. The first, when we're born again, we obtain this peace because we get the forgiveness of our sins. You know, Paul writes to the Christians in in Rome, he says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. This is awesome. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When you recognize that your sins are forgiven and God wants you, He loves you, there's, there's a supernatural peace that comes upon you. Uh, do you know that peace is actually a fruit of the Spirit? Mm -hmm. We talked about joy last week, about joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus said, nobody can take your joy. And we discovered we gave our joy away. Now, I wonder if the same thing happens with our peace. We give our peace away. See, this peace with God is a, is a living trust. Mm -hmm. It's recognizing how much He loves us. Yeah. And this, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. He's leading us in the way of peace. He's guiding yeah. us. See, God intends for us to walk in this peace and that we recognize and know that God Himself accepts us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We're now his children. Yeah. We're secure in this peace. And it's a deep inner peace. It's something that, something is secure. I'm secure. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Outside circumstances can't move me away from that unless I let them. Yeah. Unless I let them. See, this is an anchor for us, isn't it? When yeah. we understand this, when we really <clears throat> embrace it, when we ask the Holy Spirit, teach me this. I need this. <clears throat> yeah. Because we do, every one of us. We don't know it as deep as we should. And so part of gaining ground there is <clears throat> recognizing 
The Holy Spirit will teach me. God's desire, his tender mercy is leading me into the paths of peace. I want that. I want it. And I think much of it has to do also with really believing that we were, of course, God created by God. We could say that, but it can only just sit up here. It's like, no, he actually created and designed us. He wired us to find our peace by living in a love and trusting relationship with him. This is what causes us to thrive because when you begin to realize, wait a minute, now he's God, I'm not. And he has a plan and purpose for my life. And he's given me grace and he loves me. Then, then, like you said, the the obedience becomes more natural because we're drawn towards that love. But we have to believe in that love. Mm -hmm. It can't just sit up here intellectually and then our past emotions and how we feel and all the way we've been affected by life up until that point if that's what guides us, if those are the glasses we see from, then we pause, we hold back. Yeah. So we have to keep meditating on, no, I'm created and wired. You wired me. You designed me to live and rest in your love, your goodness. You had yeah. me in mind from the foundation of the world. That helps us to go, oh, you really do love me. <laughs> yeah. And then there's some kind of peace that comes, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. So on your craziest day, you could, your mind, the Holy Spirit will go, remember yeah. who loves you the most here. And there's something settling about that. See, it becomes an anchor then for our soul. And so this kind of love, you know, is how we're wired. It causes us to, to thrive the very peace of yeah. God. And it's important, you know, that, too, that we understand, like, well, what's the opposite of love? It is not necessarily hate like if somebody says well i don't love god. if you don't love god you hate god it the opposite of love is i think more like indifference mm-hmm. a posture in a person's heart that says just god doesn't matter to me i don't need god you don't matter to me one way or the other it's just indifference right and there's a proudness of heart to that there's this, in, in Scripture says God resists the proud. Why does he resist the proud? Because he's God, the, the God of glory. Yes. And he deserves all the glory and honor and praise for who he is. And so when we're proud, it's just natural for him to resist us. It's like, I'm God and you're not. <laughs> it's pretty simple when it comes down to it. But, but when we have this indifference, and many people have this indifference, they yeah. wouldn't hold a sign up and go, I hate God. But they're walking around with this indifference yeah. in their heart, which basically is a proudness and a resistance. And it's a kind, it can work its way into hatred because if I, if I love God and I begin to stand for what he stands yeah. for, then that indifference turns to hatred because it's like, wait a minute, you know. But yet God longs for the heart's indifference to give way to yes. intimacy with him. This is his heart. <laughs> yes. The coldness of a person's heart, you know, to feel the warmth of his love. We have to, we have to engage our heart in that, that so that it would turn an indifferent heart, a defiant heart, yeah. towards a heart that goes like, I want to obey you. You've been so good to me. Why would I resist you? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, this is, it, his warmth is coming from the understanding of why it's joy to the world. He sent his son. Yes. For this reason, I mean, we know in Scripture it says he lives to make intercession for us. And he'll do anything he can to get our attention. That's for sure. I mean, sometimes, you know, we say God whispers to us in a still small voice. Like he'll (laughs) whisper to your heart something. Or if he's coming like on Mount Sinai with earthquakes and fire and lightning (laughs) and thunder. (laughs) I mean, he can whisper and he can shout (laughs) to us, right? Yeah, he, he can be prods and he pleads. Right, and he shocks and and, and he soothes us with you know this very sense good. Of, yeah, I mean, this is how God wants to get a hold of us. He to bring he'd try everything to catch your attention to bring surrender. Yeah, I, this, the point is surrender to me, surrender to my love. <laughs> Why? Because God knows the beginning from the end, and He says in uh, Isaiah forty-eight, He says there is no peace. For the wicked, says the Lord. There's no peace for the wicked. And this is a great statement. I've seen bumper stickers like this. No God, 
no peace. <laughs> no God, yeah. no peace. Yeah. And it comes through Jesus Christ. I mean, he, his desire is to lead us in the paths of peace. But the paths of peace recall, requires us, you and I, to give up control of our lives and follow Him. Amen. Give it all over to God. Yeah, and we need to, we, we'll learn this over and over. Anybody who's walked with God yeah. for very long knows, I give it to God, I take it back, right? I give it to God, I take it back. It's called so yeah, faith and trust is what we need. Trust. Yes. Yeah, he, we're, he's teaching us through our experiences. If we listen to hear the Holy Spirit, it's like I'm trying to teach you to let go and yes. let me have control. Mm -hmm. And this is the hardest thing for, for us because we've all learned to grow in the world by having control. Giving up control, we feel like I'm too vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. And, but, but this is the way of peace is to give up and trust that he's God and he loves you. But again, our flesh will say, no, take it back. Like we'll say, I give it to God. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, our flesh is saying, you better figure this out. You better do something. You know, you've waited 10 minutes and nothing's happened. <laughs> right? Oh, we're all guilty. I mean, we have so many circumstances that can come into our life and just want to rob us our peace or yeah. give our peace away. Yeah. Our stress level is tied up often to what's going on in our circumstances. Come on, there you I go. Mean, you could be stressed out because like, you just go, go, go. I'm always busy. Or you're struggling financially. Or maybe you're not getting along with somebody that you love. So there's a, there's a struggle in a relationship. It could mm -hmm. just be a number of things. But the interesting thing is the situations are not really the cause of your stress. That's it. Stress is really caused by our reactions to what's happening around us. Yeah, we were always we, trying we get to impatient. get rid of stuff. Yeah, we were getting angry. We, you know, all these things, we get depressed. We're trying to get rid of everything. But yeah. you can't. You're living in the world. Right. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have trials. But then what did he say? Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Yeah. Again, Jesus says, here we go, John 16. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Let's face it, we cannot get rid of every circumstance that causes stress. Yeah. You can change the way you react to it. Because you're in control of that. And the more you get to know Jesus, because he tenderly loves us and wants us to walk in the pathway of peace, he is going to lead you in the pathway of peace. But we have to learn of him. We have to know him. We have to understand what he says, and we do that through the word of God. Yeah. I mean, to have, to have an attitude of, of peace especially, you know, as we see lawlessness increasing. You, you almost don't want to watch the news anymore. You don't want to read the headlines anymore. You know, what an attitude of peace is priceless, isn't it? Yeah. It's priceless. Yeah. And it's giving over to Jesus yeah. is really what yeah. it is. And, we, and again, I say we, we do this repetitiously, repetitiously, repetitiously. Yeah. <laughs> we keep telling ourselves no to the, I'm not going to react that way. I'm not going to. We're going to learn. I'm going to resist the fear. Yes. I'm going yes. to trust you, Lord. It's a, it's a talking relationship with the Lord, too. I'm trusting I'm God, trusting you, Lord. The anchor of your soul. So it takes, yes, focus on him. He will keep us in perfect peace, it says, whose mind yeah, is stayed. fixed or stayed yes. on him. Glory and so these are, these are strength of spirit that we have to continue to grow in and do. Yes. Um, and so one final aspect of, the, of this peace, candle of peace that we're talking about, there, there's so many things we could mention in it, but we wanted to mention this from Romans 14, 19, that we are, we are to be people who pursue yeah. what makes for peace. 
Like as far as it depends on us, we are to be peacemakers. With right? everyone. Romans 14, 19 says, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. There you go. Hebrews 4, 12, 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Now at the heart of peace, our peace with God is knowing we're forgiven of our sin. Hallelujah. That's what brings us the deep inner peace, like I'm forgiven, there's no condemnation. And so this is the root and foundation for how we can be people who make for peace. Walking in forgiveness yeah. with other people. How about that parable? We'll finish with mentioning that parable that Jesus told that involved two debtors. Yeah, that's You perfect. know, one debtor was forgiven an impossible debt. Could never pay it back. By the king. The king, it was impossible for him to pay it back. The debt was so massive, he couldn't pay it back in his lifetime. And then this, this debtor, who was forgiven of this incredible debt, uh, refused to uh, forgive someone a tiny debt that was toward him. And once we realize how much we have been forgiven. Yeah, Jesus said, you know, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. How are we doing in that? It's really... Forgive us just like we forgive those people. That could be scary. It could be scary. If you're holding on to forgiveness, guess what that means? Or unforgiveness. Yeah. If you're, yeah, if you're, you're holding on to unforgiveness of someone, what does that mean? It means you're not forgiven by God. That's a scary thought. Yeah. That's a scary thought. And it's easier to forgive other people. Minor, especially minor offenses. I mean, some of these things are just minor. Yeah. But they can just bother us and bother We us. hold on to it. We you remember it. Oh, I'm thinking about it over there. They, then they said this, and then I could, you know, this and that, and I can't believe this. And it's like. But we have a revelation of how much we've been forgiven. Yeah. Come on. It gets a little bit easier to go, well, maybe they didn't understand. I don't know. Maybe they're, they're sometimes people having a bad day and they yep. say that. And it's easier to let it go, isn't it? When we begin to understand how much we've been forgiven. Yeah. We just walk in a deeper level of peace overall. There you are. Things just don't steal our joy as much. It's like, yeah, that person cut me off. Well, so. They must be in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> let them go. I'm not going to let it steal my joy. Yes, I'm not going to yeah. let it steal my joy. Minor offenses. So we have to let the Holy Spirit teach us and guide us into the path of peace. These yes. are some of the ways that he will do it. Yes. He'll say, I want you to be a pursue peace. And often that means just forgive people from your heart. Make amends with people. This is just so important that we, we understand that the Lord's forgiven us yes. our great debt. That we could never have repaid. Let's be people who offer the, the, same, same, forgiveness. the same forgiveness to other people. And yes. you know, God will make it right. You don't, have to, you don't have to know anything more than that. God sees it all. Yes. And you he know? said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Yeah, I'll repay. It's like, just let go. And if he's telling us to do it, then that's all we need to know. We need to just let our flesh die down and say, yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. Yes, Lord, I trust you. Mm -hmm. and, and, and when we walk in peace, we're going to be walking in the very strength of God. We talked about earlier about having this peace, this peace from God, this peace with God. And we said earlier that that starts with you asking God to forgive you of your sins. Acknowledging your spiritual condition before a holy God. And he, he brings us up on purpose. He brings it up on purpose because this is part of leading you in the pathway of peace. Because he knows what the weight of sin will do to you. He knows how it will lay on your conscience. He knows it's like a cancer eating you. We brush it off. We we find something to distract us for a while. We'll binge on a TV show or we'll do drugs or we'll just run off. But 
it's always there. The only way to get rid of that is through Jesus Christ. He'll bring you this perfect peace. He'll forgive you your sins. He'll forgive you of your sins. See, you're not too bad. There was a man in the Bible. He committed adultery. Got the woman pregnant. Then he killed her husband trying to hide it. But this gentleman, he repented. He recognized what he did wrong. He repented. Wholeheartedly he repented. And the Bible ended up saying that he's, he was a man after God's own heart. You're not too far gone. You haven't done anything so wicked that you cannot be forgiven. This is a guy that's a murderer, an adulterer. But yet God loved him so much and he yielded to, to God and he ended up living in peace because he knew his sins were forgiven because of the power of the cross. He trusted in the mercy. He trusted in the love of God. You can do the same right today. You, you can have that peace with God knowing your sins are forgiven and you're on a right foundation with him and that's surrendering your life to Jesus Christ that's the only way those sins are going to be forgiven that's the only way your conscience will be washed clean by the blood of the lamb anybody here wants to do that just raise your hand I see it we'll pray together your sins will be forgiven because the power of the cross the power of the resurrection you'll be justified justified in the courtroom of heaven that's where you want to be justified in the courtroom of heaven anyone at all praise God Heavenly Father we worship you and exalt you we thank you for guiding us in the pathway of peace and part of that guiding is convicting us of, of sin and so we welcome that, Lord, because it's an invitation of drawing close to you. And what a wonderful way to have our sins forgiven and the refreshment that comes from that. Holy Spirit, we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Father, we're in love with you. Continue to do the work in us, that work that we cannot do. worship you.